In this episode, we review the Taurus lunar eclipse and journey through the eclipse portal as we come to the total solar eclipse in Sagittarius conjunct the great attractor. This is a super magnetic time of potential. And of course, we explore our shift into Sagittarius season and culminate with a very important guided meditation around soul retrieval, which is going to assist you in clearing any distortions as we come to the total solar eclipse. Let's dive in. to Stars, Stones, and Stories. I am your host, Rama, and together we are weaving ancient future wisdom as we birth the new earth. If you're into astrology, cosmology, living mythology, earth-based spirituality, and ancestral healing, you are home. If you've stumbled upon this podcast and are new to these topics, This is Sovereign Sanctuary to expand and deepen your wisdom. As a cosmic priestess, I witness many at the threshold of great transformation. I specialize in astrological divination, sacred site activations, and priestess arts for the Aquarian Age. You may learn more about my work and budding mystery school at earthseedtemplearts.com or follow Earthseed Temple Arts on Instagram. This community is your opportunity to claim your story, your unique identity and power, knowing that you are the hero of your own journey. You are a hologram for the collective, and you matter. The world needs your gifts and creativity now more than ever. Crystallize your medicine. Oh, great ancient ones, great ancestors, we call to you. May you hear the voices of your descendants traversing through time and space. We humbly ask for your support, your wise medicine ways, and your genius solutions in these times. Dear ancestors, we wish to partner with you, for we know we cannot do this alone. As we traverse the mystery, we ask that you, our starry ancestors, are with us each breath of the way. May we have clarity of mind and crystalline vision to see through the dark. May we walk our paths of high holy truth, as that is what is needed now more than ever. And so it is. Welcome back to another episode of Stars, Stones, and Stories. I'm truly grateful to dive into this content with you. It's been quite a labor to push this out. This is my third take on recording and that lunar Taurian eclipse just really 
called me into deep, deep stillness and quiet. And each time I sat down to record, the flow just wasn't there. And I share this with you because podcasting is an art, as all of life truly is. And it's important that in any art, that we also ride the wave of creativity and flow. And when we can feel that it's not there, that as creators and creatrixes, we take pause and we rest. And as I was teaching in the Dark Goddess Masterclass earlier this week on Monday, these dark goddess, these dark moon phases in our lives, lunar eclipses particularly have that current. The way the dark goddess loves to be honored the most is through quiet and stillness and reflection. And so I literally, in between all the things I absolutely had to tend to, during the eclipse, I found most of my time lying down completely still and quiet. That Taurus eclipse, it was exact on Friday, Venus Day, November 19th at 3.57 a.m. And the window of the eclipse was quite long. Some say about three hours, some say about six hours. Truly, I haven't had the opportunity to do my own research to inform you on my take on the duration of the actual eclipse. However, historically, it was the longest one we've had for many, many years, at least over 500. So quite a profound eclipse that's going to lay out in our lives for at least the next six months, but as we've spoken about with eclipses, they have a reverberation we feel in cycles of nine and 18 years and 36 and 72 and so on. Eclipses are absolutely cyclical events that mark history, that mark her story, that mark time and space. And Dane Rudyard spoke about the lunar eclipse where the past is obscured by the present meeting new experiences in a new way. So this eclipse, it's like, I imagine you've got a very full container. We could say, I'm just imagining like a big plastic bag, like full of liquid and someone pokes a hole at the bottom of the bag and the liquid just like gushes out. And that's the frequency of the lunar eclipse. It's a major letting go. And I was holding space for readings downtown at Earth Magic and in the city I live in in Appalachia, Western North Carolina. And a number of people... (laughs) came in yesterday who literally have their birthday either on Thursday or Friday or Saturday during this eclipse weekend. And perhaps you do too. And if so, you're going to be living this lunar eclipse for your entire solar return for the next year to come. And I love, I love how people gravitate in when certain astrological alignments are happening. It's really profound to track. 
in that way. And it's something I, I love to do because it's those moments that teach how powerful astrology truly is. And this is something I'm really passionate about. If you've been listening to Starstones and Stories over the course of our journey together, you know that as well. And you're also passionate about it because you keep circling back. And thank you for doing that. I'm completing my Master of Arts in Cultural Astronomy and Astrology and writing my 15,000 word dissertation on the great conjunction of 2020 and what astrologers are saying about it. And it's been such a really deep journey to go back through history to see where the medieval European astrologers tracked these planetary conjunctions and they learned it from the Islamic astrologers, the Persians, the Arabic astrologers. And this is a a method that people have been doing throughout time and space. And it was after medieval Europe and really we could say the reformation of religion on some level and most likely a weaving of the witch hunt as well, where astrology was really outcast as this, uh, well, I don't, I don't really know what to say about it in those times. I know what to say about it in the rise from about 1900 onwards, where it was seen as more of a new age topic. And it's fascinating because astrology has since Babylonian times, astrology has always been seen as very tied to astronomy. They were never separate. And uh, it's always been seen as an art and a science. And in our contemporary world and the overculture is just now starting to see astrology more for what it is, but it's still classified as new age on some level. I mean, you go on Instagram and that's definitely the way it's being portrayed on many levels. It's an interesting time to be a student of astrology and to be studying this art and science. And again, I want to bring it back to, I've been offering these astrological divination sessions at Earth Magic for over two years now. I've been able to really watch the, the flow and see patterns. And for instance, some days I'll have like maybe five readings and four of those five people have a Taurus moon. And then some days uh, I'll offer sessions and every single person who comes in for a reading has like a strong Chiron placement, like either conjunct their rising or their sun or their midheaven. And they don't always align with like certain transits that are happening, but there's like this energy. And I love witnessing that because it's not something I really witness in my personal practice with people who who book directly through my work, earthseedtemplearts.com. It's something that I really see more with people who, you know, 
are just kind of popping in. And a lot of them maybe have never even had an astrology reading or they don't really know what it is. And and that's what I love to witness is that repetition and those unique patterns. So astrology is so fascinated with these cycles and this lunar eclipse is just like this big oceanic wave leaving our lives. So there's a lot that's being asked to be dissolved. And we went in depth to study the astrology of this eclipse in episode 40. So I'm not going to repeat so much what I said there, but I do want to honor this eclipse because it is quite profound. And we can see in the news, we can see instances where the eclipse has absolutely been activated. And there are definitely some astrologers speaking about like the violence that can come from this because the moon was exactly conjunct um, the fixed star Algol. And when we have these alignments, for me in my own work, what I like to share with you all, I like to really elevate it to the highest frequency, especially with eclipses. Because from my many years of yogic study with the yogic technology, one of the most profound things we can be doing during an eclipse is meditating. Uh, sleeping is also okay if if it's in the middle of the night and being in ceremony is good. However, it's generally best to be indoors. If you look to the wisdom of the indigenous cultures around the earth, most of them have been indoors in some sort of contained space during an eclipse. And it's because eclipses are wild card events. And uh, wild card means wild. You don't know how it's going to land. So this eclipse has this strong mythology with Medusa. And this legend of Medusa feels important to share. And I was briefly looking at one of the organizations I belong to. It's called um, OPA, Organization of Professional Astrologers. And there was a conversation about Medusa there and Algol. And so I wanted to share some of what different astrologers were speaking towards um, in this, it was on a Facebook group thread. And we know we know this fixed star uh, is located in the constellation of Perseus. And this is connected to Algol, which is representing the head of Medusa. Medusa is the snake-haired Gorgon. These Gorgons are these Greek monsters. The ancient tied Algol to misfortune, to war, to destruction. Um, if I remember correctly, Tomli said that it's like Mars and, and Saturn coming together. It's, it's intense. It's an intense activation of the shadow. It's fascinating. I'm I'm thinking of how these threads come together. And on Monday we explored the dark goddess masterclass and 
We all have this dark aspect that lives within us, and and that is our shadow. And Jung spoke extensively about, particularly when it comes to the collective, the the unconscious collective will react almost like in a mob mentality. I've been really diving into this as I've been writing my dissertation because I'm looking a lot at the collective unconscious and it's making me think really even more deeply about spiritual practice and yogic technology and why these tools are so important in these times because our collective unconscious is actually what is steering this earth ship on such a deep level. And so the greatest form of liberation or resistance or impact you can make on society and culture is to have a deep practice of meditation. And also, if you do have layers of trauma that you're working through and need to be cleared, that you're doing that work and you're doing it holistically and you're really doing it in the right way for you, which for some that might be psychotherapy. For some, you know, it might be really intense healing. It could be family constellation work. It could look so many different ways. A commitment to that work, to that ancestral healing and programming will actually benefit the collective. And it's not selfish to do your own deep internal work. In fact, it has a greater ripple effect than in some levels going out and feeding at a soup kitchen. And I absolutely believe in the spirit of community activism and involvement and care and concern. So I'm not saying don't do those things, but it's important that we're really committed to doing our own deep inner work, particularly in these times, particularly as things are moving faster and faster in this age of air and information is very swift. It's traveling all over the world at the fastest speeds it ever has been. We're more connected than we ever have been. And yet many of us feel more isolated than we've ever felt in our lives. And that's why we need to be doing our own deep inner work. Algal Medusa is coming up as the shadow to let us see where we need to be doing that work. And in the myth, Medusa was in service as a virgin of the temple. She was in service and she was extremely beautiful and her hair was known to be her crowning glory. And basically, Neptune or Poseidon came in and attacked her and took advantage of her. He raped her. And Pallas Athene or Athena, who is also Minerva in Roman mythology, became so furious that Medusa could actually like have intimate relations in a temple, never mind the fact that it was against her will. She basically turned Medusa's head into snakes and made her this gorgon, this horrible monster. And Athena 
has a bit of a track record of doing that, where she will uh, transfigure other goddesses into dark goddess figures. So that's important to understand. And we know in mythology, she's born from Zeus's head. These are interesting stories to track and trace. And it can seem outdated to want to know these myths. But when we're thinking of overculture and colonialism and imperialism, I think it's really important we're looking still to the Greeks and the Romans because those empires have absolutely affected, we could even say infected, the culture that we're still, the overculture that is dominating our world in these times. So understanding these stories can be quite rich. And it is said that Neptune took advantage of Medusa because he was actually jealous for Athena. And he wanted the city of Athens in his name. And he was upset that it became hers. And so there's a lot of power and control dynamics that are happening here, which are always associated with these dark goddess figures. But in this mythos, we can really see where Medusa was totally disempowered. And it was Athena's jealousy that turned her into this monster. And so whenever someone would look at her, she would petrify them. They would turn to stone. So it was Perseus who came in and slayed Medusa's head. And then he put her head on, I think it was like the shield of Athena. Um, so it was, it was like kind of this trophy. And this concept of losing your head is what can be very much associated when planets are connected to Algol. But losing head can also be connected to losing um, a significant person in your life, like a mother, a father, a husband, um, an authority figure in your life. So it has many different levels of meaning. And it's something that is beyond your control. However, if we trace this mythology of Medusa back, it's actually her mythos originates in Libya. And some say she was a Libyan goddess. Some say she was a priestess, a queen of Libya, and that she was taken, she was consumed by Hellenistic Greece. And some also believe that Athena and Medusa are actually one. They're two sides of one coin. And that at one point, Athena was also depicted with snakes and having serpent power and wisdom, like, again, all of these ancient primordial goddesses, when we go back to source, come from snake or bird. And it is about this regeneration of life. So there's a lot of layers here. And some say that Medusa's hair was actually dreadlocks that were like the lion, the sun, and that the evil eye is the actual Gorgon's protective eye. 
So it's, it's very extensive as we sink deeper into this myth. And that's usually how it is. It's like today we just have a slice of the remnants, but if we dig deeper, we can find more. And we know with these eclipses that we're opening up new portals, new dimensions in our lives. These eclipses are very serpent, dragon-like. The nodes of the moon, the north node and the south node, connect to the dragon's head and the dragon's tail. And they move together in a unit, cycling through about every 18 and a half years. And with this lunar eclipse, the moon was in Taurus, but the north node was at the first degree of Gemini. And they'll be shifting in the beginning of of 2022. The nodes of fate are going to be shifting with the north node in Taurus and the south node in Scorpio. So we're at this transition moment as well. The, the north nodes went into Gemini and Sagittarius, respectively, around May of 2020. So we spend roughly about 18 months in these nodal cycles. The north node is, is pulling, asking, urging the collective to expand, to really reach into something that is out of the box and uncomfortable. And the South Node is looking at where our gifts are, but also asking us to not get stuck in the past and where can we clear the karmic ghosts of the past. And these nodes are not physical astronomical bodies. They're points in space. They're like vortexes of energy. And quite often, astronomically, these vortexes of energy can be more potent than these actual physical spaces. So this cosmic dragon frequency of the nodes is like the serpent shedding its skin. And we see this over and over again through the ancient mythos of the serpent shedding its skin. And when we think back to Genesis and the separation between the feminine and the power of the snake with Eve, with Chava. And uh, we go back and we think of, first it was actually Lilith. And Lilith basically told Adam, like, no, you're not going to be on top and I'm not going to be on top. We're, We're equal here. And he wanted rulership. And so she left. She left the Garden of Eden and actually went to the Red Sea. But Lilith also had a snake companion. So the serpent wisdom is very important and very much tied to the eclipse energy. And the lunar eclipse is a massive shed of our skins. And we have the solar eclipse that we're building up to on December 4th, which is going to be very powerful. And we're going to explore that in this episode. The sun transitions into Sagittarius late Sunday night around about 9.34 p.m. on the 21st of November. And on Wednesday, the 24th, Mercury also transitions into Sagittarius in the afternoon on Mercury Day. And so we're stepping in 
to the Sagittarius season. We're transitioning out of the depths of the fixed watery abyss of Scorpio where we're transforming on so many levels. We're connecting with our magic, but we're also connecting with the shadow of the repressed and suppressed parts of self. And after that deep journey, we can venture out into the stars as the seeker, the explorer, the expander of Sagittarian, that fiery, changeable frequency that is very optimistic, very forward-looking, very much connected with overarching beliefs. It is the archetype of the sage, the teacher, the seeker, the priest, the priestess. And this is a time of year where we can become much more enthusiastic and more optimistic, but also the shadow energy can make us more jealous or be very blunt, um, being too independent or avoiding commitment, being intolerant of others and where there might be ignorance. So Sagittarian energy can be at times quite fanatical and tactless. However, it is really here to go into those higher realms and bring us into connection with our higher self, our highest wisdom. This is governed by Jupiter, and Jupiter is the planet of great expansion and joy and knowledge. And Jupiter is coming to his journey of closure in Aquarius, where he entered Aquarius on winter solstice of 2020. And by December 31st, Jupiter will be shifting officially into the sign of Pisces. We had a brief journey of Jupiter and Pisces from about May until July of this year. And so Jupiter will be settling into his other home sign of Pisces. And then Jupiter will dance in Aries and go through some retrogrades. And we're going to break down the astrology of 2022 in future episodes. However, for now, I want to stay focused on this eclipse portal. But it's important to to know that that Jupiter transit's coming because Jupiter is going to be in Pisces in its home sign, very expansive, very much bringing in a lot of prosperity, especially when we focus on the more kind of creative, artistic, poetic parts of ourselves where we focus more on spiritual practice. Now, of course, it's going to vary for each one of us depending on where Jupiter will be transiting in our charts. And if you have Jupiter in Pisces or any strong placements in Pisces, you will absolutely most likely benefit quite a bit from this transit. So Sagittarius season with the sun there, we're we're feeling more optimistic. And with Mercury there, we can say quite a lot. (laughs) The Mercury and Sagittarius, you know, Mercury is how we communicate, how we speak, how we share information. And sometimes too much can be shared, too much can be said. So just be mindful of that as Mercury is not at his best in Sagittarius. And so if you're speaking and intuitively you're feeling like 
I need to rein this in a little bit. Trust that as Mercury travels through Sagittarius and as Mercury goes deeper in the month, eventually coming to the great attractor and the galactic center, those are moments we're going to want to watch because Mercury is going to have a lot to say. So pay attention in December. I have just a couple of windows available to connect with people who want to dive into their astrology in November, and there's a few slots also available in December. I'll be out on pilgrimage, which is a beautiful thing to be doing during Sagittarius season because this is the archetype of the pilgrim, of the seeker, of the wandering gypsy, where we can really um, go on that spiritual sacred journey. So I will be traveling in Egypt and therefore my schedule is extremely limited and there's a way to book directly through the show notes. So if that's something you're interested in, I do work with people all over through Zoom or by phone and also in person here in Appalachia. So on Tuesday, November 30th, I'm offering the Dark Moon Women's Wisdom Council as a virtual offering in preparation for the Sagittarius total solar eclipse. So we'll go a little bit deeper into the astrology than we do in my podcast, and there will be time for sacred counsel for a guided meditation, um, sound healing. It, they're beautiful gatherings, and I usually do them in person. However, in 2020, I was doing some virtually, and I know that it's a great way to connect with people. And as I'll be leaving the country the following day, it works best for me to offer this um, in a virtual capacity. So I hope that all of you who identify as women will join us in this beautiful circle. There is a link in the show notes, and you can also um, sign up direct on my website, Earthseed Temple Arts. If you are interested in sacred pilgrimage, living legacy, rematrixing the codes of life, our journey to Kemet, the 3rd through 22nd of December, the gates are officially closing. And there's just a few days left to slip in. If you're feeling the call for this high priestess journey, where we're consciously weaving with the great attractor and the galactic center on the land, we're going to be in really profound astrology and we're going to be in some of the most amazing temples on the planet, in the Great Pyramid, in other pyramids. We're going to Siwa. Uh, we're going to begin in Luxor. I mean, there's so many amazing spaces and places. And I have plenty of information about it on my website, and I'm happy to connect with you one-on-one -on -one if you are truly serious and ready to commit and invest you can message me directly. You can also check out the link in the show notes. We have arrived to the astrology of the Sagittarius total solar eclipse, which occurs on Saturday, Saturn day, December 4th, 2020, 2.43 a.m. That's Eastern Standard Time. This eclipse is going to be visible for about a total of four hours, um, 
the full visibility will not be that long. The full visibility is about an hour in length, an hour and six minutes, and it's not going to be visible in North America. Um, It will be visible in Southern Africa and other parts of the world. Dane Rudyard said that these new moon eclipses, the present is blotted out by the past. Forces of the past that lie buried in the collective subconscious come to light. And as we know, eclipses bring truth, truth that we need to see, know, and feel, despite how uncomfortable the results may be. And they mark major events from births to deaths, momentous beginnings, sudden things that we wouldn't even imagine six months prior we would be doing, sudden endings. They herald vast, unexpected shifts. And so any eclipse portal offers some sort of ending and a beginning in our lives. And as we've spoken about, the lunar eclipse is more focused on endings, emotions, and the revelation of a true character. The solar eclipse is more focused on new beginnings, bright possibility, and hope. However, when we're in these portals, time is cyclical. It's always cyclical. In fact, what we're understanding more and more is that linear time doesn't really exist. And all there is, is the now moment. And there's a cycle and there's a circle and there's a spiral happening. And there's a vortex of energy coming in and a vortex of energy coming out. So there's this simultaneous ending and beginning. And Depending on where the eclipse is activating your chart, you might notice more of an ending with the solar eclipse and a beginning with the lunar eclipse. It can, it can really vary. So nothing is set in stone, to be clear. It's, it's a portal. That's why we call it a portal. It's truly a portal of time and space collapsing and expanding and uh, things moving around in vast ways. And the lunar eclipse that we've just experienced, (laughs) I'm recording this episode in my studio, which I haven't done in like over a year because my neighbor had a very loud dog and they moved out. So now the dog is no longer barking. (laughs) So I've done many of my episodes in my closet in the complete dark, which is quite lovely, but It's really fun to be in here and see the birds moving around. So I was I was smiling because I saw some really beautiful birds that I haven't seen in quite some time, little tiny gray ones with black heads. So cute. And that, that right there, you know, watching nature, the symbolism of nature, the symbolism of all of the little details that happen in the eclipse portal is really significant. It's important to do. The lunar eclipse we experienced in Taurus had an extreme amount of volatility because Uranus has been in Taurus. And although the two of them, the moon and Uranus were not conjunct, they are conjunct by sign. And so there's extra kind of volatility connected with that. And we also, as we explored 
the star Algal and the moon were also conjunct. That volatility has been emphasized, amplified, which makes things more sudden and more out of the blue and more surprising. And then we come to this super new moon solar eclipse and the sun and the moon are conjunct at 12 degrees, 22 arc minutes in Sagittarius. We also have Mercury in Sagittarius conjunct the sun and moon. Mercury is at 15 degrees, 13 arc minutes. We have Vesta there as well. She's at 9 degrees, 35 arc minutes, Sagittarius. So we already have this really potent lineup of the moon, which reflects our feelings, our emotions, the sun, which is more stable and our source of power and our will and our strength. And then we have Mercury, which is how we're communicating and what we have to say and how we're perceiving and taking in information and Vesta, our devotion, where we are so committed and so devoted. And all of these frequencies are very much committed and devoted to the sacred journey, to the pilgrimage of life, to seeking the higher truth, to the highest wisdom of all that is. These forces are conjunct the great attractor. The great attractor is quite potent, very, very strong. The great attractor lives at 14 degrees Sagittarius, 19 degrees Scorpio sidereal, and includes the extensive Virgo cluster, the Hydra Centaurus supercluster, our group cluster, and 30 other galactic companions that we know of. The Great Attractor is one of massive movements, a true warping of time and space while bending light with its massive gravity. So it's like this large cosmic womb. And Philip Sedgwick has done a lot of research on these potent spaces like the Great Attractor and the Galactic Center and the Super Galactic Center. And he says of the great attractor that it's mysterious, captivating. It might even be the personification of the creator. It magnetizes you to it like none other. He says the great attractor reminds us all that knowledge must evolve in order for us to be aligned in any moment with full consciousness. The great attractor notes that we cannot forget the past. Clear perception of now sets the stage. We cannot ignore the forthcoming. Equally, maybe even more significantly, the view of the moment and its perception of, in front, and behind remains the most important view to hold clearly. Is this view clear and accurately insightful? Could the view be distorted? Only the great attractor knows, and the great attractor reveals the present state in full, unlimited, and wide-ranging attention. Where should the view be placed? Can that view be helpful, upheld, while understanding that all points of view simultaneously exist? So this is a massive uh, time-bending moment. As I've relayed in previous episodes in other eclipse portals, you can trace back 
all the way to like around episode 14 and 15, where I talk about time bending and eclipses. Any eclipse portal offers time bending, right? Time is circular. It is not linear. To have a total new moon solar eclipse, a super new moon in Sagittarius on the great attractor, this is like the epitome of time bending. (laughs) And it's been interesting because as I said at the beginning of this recording, this is take three of me offering this podcast to you. I have attempted to birth it. I had all of my notes and what I wanted to transmit prepared by Thursday, by Jupiter day. And I attempted to record it three times on Venus day. And each time it was just like the energy was flat. It was like, no, I'm recording this for you Saturday morning, the day after the eclipse. And this is where we, as we become more subtle and sensitive, we can feel the qualities of these times. There is a signature where things wish to be delivered and experienced. It's important that we follow that. The patriarchal overculture works on linear time and says, you know, like I have a commitment every Venus day, I'm going to deliver my Venetian love notes to you all who are subscribed to my weekly newsletter, my emails. And if you're not, you can find that in the show notes. I hope you are because that's the best way to stay in touch in these times and make sure you've made my email address support at earthseedtemplearts.com safe to receive that in your inbox. I state this because email is still the gold standard of communication. These social media networks are becoming quite interesting in these times. And many of us are losing the ability to really be seen on some of these platforms. Email is really important. As we're considering the power, the potency of this time bending possibility with a total solar eclipse, an eclipse of great new beginning, a super new moon in Sagittarius, in the sign of the seeker, conjunct the great attractor, the sun, moon, mercury, all conjunct the great attractor. This is potent. This is powerful. This is a massively powerful time to clear any and all distortions from your field, from your lineage, your soul family, your star family, and to call forth the pure light codes of divine source. And that is my prayer for you with this eclipse is that you can utilize it consciously. And so as you're listening to this podcast now, you've got about two weeks to prepare. You have that waning frequency of that potent, potent Taurus lunar eclipse conjunct Algol with a strong connection as well to the Pleiades through sidereal astrology, but also the North Node in that eclipse chart and in this chart as well is conjunct Alcyone, which is a cluster in the Pleiades. And many believe that the Pleiades are 
our ancient star ancestors here on earth and we have deep connections and that the Pleiades assist us from afar as they've gone through many of the transformations that we're experiencing on earth. They're like further along the cycle of evolution than we are. So they they send us lots of love and blessings. And when we have these alignments, these potent alignments conjunct profound star clusters, it's like a, a direct line, a direct a transmission that is possible for us to receive their highest wisdom. We know that this is a massively important eclipse window. And with that, and that mini stellium we have with Vesta, Moon, Sun, and Mercury all conjunct, we also have the south node in Sagittarius. So um, there is an element that is about as we're receiving these upgrades, what do we need to clear out? What what junk data needs to be dissolved? What old stories, what old paradigms need to be let go of? The sun and moon are square Pallas Athene. We spoke a little bit about Athena and her connection to Medusa. And also she has a deep connection to Arachne where she transfigured her as well. She's in Pisces. And in Pisces, Pallas Athene is really encouraging us to work with light and color and sound and frequency in genius ways. And so in that square, there's this tension between the sun and the moon and what we want to create and how we want to create. And that tension can activate new possibilities. In addition to Pallas Athene squaring the moon and sun and Mercury, we have a number of other aspects that are happening that are really significant. The sun and moon are also trining Chiron and Aries. So there's this opportunity as we're clearing out these old paradigms and really allowing the creative vortex of the great attractor to come through, we can experience immense, immense healing, especially as we stay in devotion. Devotion is always the way through. And there's also a quintile with Jupiter in Aquarius. And so there's this opportunity to receive some support, some wisdom from Jupiter in Aquarius, from this new age that we're entering, this new technology that we're taking on. It is requiring greater responsibility on our parts, but there's also gifts. And what's interesting is that Venus is parallel, as is Pluto, to the the Sun and Mercury. And when these planets are parallel, it's like they're right next to one another. It's like a conjunction. And so it amplifies their connection. And we know Venus as she is in Capricorn in her front end shadow during this solar eclipse, 
Venus and Pluto are conjunct. And depending on where you're going to experience the eclipse, if you're in the East Coast, you will experience the eclipse as Venus being the chart ruler. Now, when obviously you'll have to cast for your time zone if that's something you want to know, and it will shift. <clears throat> but Venus in her retrograde descent is asking us to reframe, reframe these descent stories and what it means to sacrifice and to give up. And where are there distortions through time and space that make us feel like these transits are are these times where we sacrifice so very much? How can we reframe our consciousness around this so that we really see it as we're just letting go of things we're already ready to let go of, experiences, places, people, stories, and that it can actually be really gentle and it doesn't have to be so painful. So this is a form of consciousness that I think is important to begin to allow to really root into our psyches in the Aquarian age is that change and rebirth and renewal can also be gentle and that it doesn't always have to be so bitter and such a struggle for each one of us. And as we're considering this in this eclipse, Black Moon Lilith opposes Mercury. And there's this deep connection between Mercury as Thoth, Tehuti, Black Moon Lilith as the dark goddess. We could even say Hecate as one of her dark goddess forms. And we know both Tehuti and Hecate to be psychopomps. They travel to the realms of the gods and goddesses and speak on behalf of humanity and they bring back messages. And as they're posing in this chart where the sun and moon are eclipsing on the great attractor, there is an opportunity to really hear through time and space from these magnetic sources of creation. It's really, really profound astrology if you choose to see it in that light. Now, there's other ways I could speak to you about the astrology that could seem kind of dark and dense. And again, I'm purposely going to not share certain things, um, not to keep you veiled in any illusion, but because we are always in an, an opportunity of choice. Where do we want to focus our sacred attention. Where we choose to focus is very, very important for these times. We're very sensitive and the mass collective consciousness is extremely vulnerable. And so it's important we choose the highest timeline. As this is a very profound eclipse portal, 
you, you personally have such a profound ability to help navigate the collective's experience. And as Venus is prominent in this chart being parallel with the sun and Mercury and Pluto, this is very significant because astrologically she's making a novile to the sun and moon, which are marrying. They're in complete union. There is something ending and there's something beginning. And in this novile, there is an opportunity for a perfection, for a new realm of possibility. We are experiencing with the sun and moon meeting up at 13 degrees Sagittarius, the frequency of a widow's past is brought to light. This is the Sabian symbol, which translates into how the karma of past actions affects opportunities presented by a new cycle. Even as a past cycle is closed, the karma of the past will still lay the foundation for the future, so clear consciousness is necessary. Meanwhile, the star sparks is an embalmer at work on a mummy. Old thought forms, ancient wisdoms, and fresh experiences all show the same picture from different sides. Death is the intimate companion of our lives. We are being asked to let go of every fixed idea and to free our past ghosts of every kind. We are being ushered into an astounding miracle we will never, we never will believe until we're right there in that super clarity that comes at death's door. And so this speaks to this concept, the, the way I translate this is this concept of the beloved, the beloved consort. What we are seeking is ourselves. Our highest wisdom is here with us now at all times. And quite often we have to go through many struggles, trials, and tribulations to awaken to the fact that it was us all along. And that which we are wishing to merge with was our highest frequency. So there's a very, very profound portal opening with this eclipse gate. And again, I want, I want to encourage you to utilize the time leading up to it to clear out the old stories, the old wounds, the old perspectives, clear out your closet, clear out your refrigerator, clean, clean the corners of your home, clear out your office, your car, take care of your relationships if there's anything that needs to be tended to honor that. Be that person that is willing to come forth and, and do the work that is being asked to do. And as you do that, it sends a profound ripple effect out into the collective. We have been hypnotized to believe that our impact is so little and that we have to have status and fame and wealth to make impact on humanity. And that is so very far from the truth. 
In fact, the deeper our devotion and our daily practice and our connection to source is, which can look so different depending on who we are and our religious and our spiritual beliefs and connections, and there's not one path that is higher or better than the other, they're all, all paths lead to goddess, God, creator, source. It's like um, as I'm going deeper into my dissertation, I've been thinking a lot and noticing a lot how uh, different astrologers promote their style of astrology as being the correct one, the right one, the true one. And how there's all these distortions in the astrological community and people are really confused. And this is an age-old storyline that doesn't happen just in astrology. This happens in so many fields where people argue and bicker over whose style is better than the other. And it's as if to say if I was offering a tarot reading and I chose to do a one-card spread versus a Celtic cross versus a three-card spread, and someone said, only the three-card spread is the correct spread, they're all, they're all correct. They all work. They all receive information. And what is really most important is who is the channel of the information? Does that channel have a practice? Does that channel have devotion? Does that channel clear to receive messages? And even if one does all of those things, they are still yet each one of us, it's our highest wisdom that comes through. And we're all coming from our own unique soul's perspective. So we live in a world with a myriad of truths, and the myriad of truths is important. We want to have discourse. We want to have conversation. We want to have different styles and techniques, and we want to learn from each other. And what's most important is that we're on a journey of consciousness evolution and how to uplift one another through that journey, how to share information. And so this degree of 13 degrees Sagittarius brings us to a frequency of rectification. It connects with the stone of yellow calcite, which by the Taoist calcite is one of the most profound stones to connect to the physical body as it goes through different ailments, whether it's fever or nausea or headache. It's more of the um, acute symptoms one would feel. Calcite can treat that. And as we think of yellow calcite, yellow connects to the element of earth and digestion. So this is about like, how are we digesting our connection to earth How are we digesting our lives, our emotions? How are we clearing our emotions? And what are our childhood fears that got imprinted in the womb or in early development that we're still projecting out into the collective realm? And this is exactly how we heal and shift humanity is by understanding that when each one of us takes up the mantle of our deep inner healing work, we are clearing out our own psyches and making that inner landscape more conscious. And as we do that, we make the collective unconscious more conscious. 
13 degrees, Sagittarius is bringing in a frequency of empowerment, renewed self-confidence, and a restoration of personal power. With that, I had to just take a moment to look up the uh, Sabian symbol for 14 degrees Sagittarius. And funny enough, it's the pyramids and the sphinx. This is all about certification and connects to the stone of lapis lazuli, which really just had me laughing out loud (laughs) as I discovered this because I will be in pilgrimage on the land of Kemet in Egypt during this eclipse. And uh, just the synchronicities, the way the dates came through and all the layers, it's pretty phenomenal that the symbol of the galactic center, or sorry, that the symbol of the great attractor connects to the pyramids and the sphinx, the land of Kemet. And lapis lazuli is a stone that is very multi-dimensional, connecting us to our starry wisdom, our spiritual evolution. It's very powerful for the mind, but also, of course, for the throat chakra. And it's a very nourishing stone by the Taoists. They they see all these rich minerals within lapis are very nourishing to the body. And also through Egyptian wisdom, there is a connection between the goddess Iset, Auset, and lapis lazuli. So 14 degrees Sagittarius is a call to raise your vibration, to align yourself with your higher purpose. And the affirmation for this is, I am a living reminder that great symbols endure. So as a reminder this living reminder that you are, I really encourage you to use this powerful eclipse to clear any and all distortions from your field, your lineage, your soul family, your star family, and to call forth the pure light codes of divine source. And as we're in eclipse season, this is a powerful time of bending time itself As we know, anything that has mass sits on the piece, a piece, a golden thread of fabric of time and space. And this can cause a a dimple or a bending movement on the thread. The bending of the space-time continuum causes objects to move on a curved path. And that curvature of space is what we know as gravity. So it was Einstein's theory of general relativity that said that gravity can bend time. It's not a force, but a consequence of the movement of time and space. So to bend time, there are different ways we can work with this. And I'd like to share some of those with you. One is deep, deep meditation, true meditation, that deep meditation where you start to feel that ambrosial 
soma drip down, drip down from deep within the center of your brain. And it can be like the sacred nectar that comes through the layers of your vertebrae. This is all about finding a super conscious state in the astral plane where time does not exist. For some of us, moving time works in other ways. So another invitation is to stand straight facing the direction that feels least comfortable to you and visualize the direction you wish to go in your life. And you're going to feel it, smell it, taste it, touch it, hear it. And then the invitation is to take five deep breaths and turn 360 degrees counterclockwise. And as you do this, you are literally working with the curve of the natural world. Therefore, this curve is symbolic. And at the same time, you are physically turning the energy around your electromagnetic field. Another way to bend time is to ride your natural waves of inspiration, to not force things. As we're thinking of time bending, we want to learn how to let go of forcing things, to instead notice when the energy comes to life and ride it. Perhaps sometimes we could do three weeks of work just in a few hours if we're actually riding the inspiration. This brings us to timeline jumping, which is one of my favorite pastimes <laughs> through many times of space. It may seem paradoxical to some of you listening out there in this liminal space. Your timeline, your life, is only one of many simultaneous possibilities. And it is quite possible. Indeed, we could say it is your birthright to alter your timeline and the potentials of your life. The overculture, for various reasons, has hypnotized us into believing that we're limited to one timeline. However, we are able, we are quite capable to shift timelines as needed. So if we want to shift these timelines, there's a formula we can do this. And I was first inspired by this formula that was given by Tom Kenyon. So I I wish to honor him because he's such a beautiful force out there. And I'm so grateful for his high dimensional transmissions and books If you don't know his work, particularly the Magdalene manuscript is quite profound and came into my life very synchronistically in the like mid 2000s and I read it, I like devoured it and then I forgot about it (laughs) and it resurfaced during a time when I was beginning to work my art of hosting pilgrimage and it came in such a synchronistic way. I mean, I I had the book, but sometimes books like that just kind of disappear and then they appear back in. And so uh, I really respect Tom Kenyon's guidance here. 
as you're considering timelines, first you want to identify the timeline you wish to move into. That's very important. Be very clear about where you're going and why and know your values around this and what this means. And then you're going to shift your vibrational state to match the timeline that you want to be in. And when you shift your vibrational state, you need to do this in a way that is very grounded and anchored. And so you want to do it from the base of the spine and the lower triangle and really invite your entire higher self into your body as you do so. And once you shift into this vibrational state, there may be things that occur that test your commitment to the vibrational state. If obstacles arise, that does not mean you failed. I want to be clear about that because in our human evolution, we tend to think that when there's an obstacle, we need to collapse and turn around and just continue as things have always been. The obstacles are merely testing us. Are you willing to hold the vibration? So you lock in the vibrational state so that it stays pure and true. And then you're going to take one action that is an expression of the new timeline. One action. And from there, you're going to persevere. And as Tom Kenyon spoke about the Hathors, which are these channeled beings that have a deep connection to Venus, and he wrote a book about the Hathors that's connected to the goddess Hathor. Uh, it's very interesting material, and if you're called to it, definitely it's beautiful reading for this eclipse portal. But Tom Kenyon wrote how if enough people jump timelines, this can leave behind any timelines of planetary destruction behind and instead allow us to enter a more benevolent life-affirming reality of what is called the new earth. Now, many of us already know we're in the new earth now. However, as we're in the new earth in this now moment, there are also many forces out there that are testing us. Do you really want to be in this new earth? Are you really going to commit to what is being asked to cultivate the new earth? This great attractor, super magnetic eclipse portal is a profound time to recommit to your new earth visions as you're writing your new moon intentions. How are these intentions anchored in this new earth consciousness? In honor of this total eclipse conjunct the great attractor, I pulled a three-card spread for our collective energy and what we're going to be going through. And the first card is the Queen of Air, and she represents how we can set healthy boundaries, how we can be uh, clear in our communication, we can be well-organized, strategic, a wordsmith, and also have very strong self-esteem, knowing thyself, being able to penetrate through anything that is illusion or delusion or distortion. And so she says to each one of you, she says, how can you see this within yourself? I have clarity of purpose. 
How may I let go of false truths and be rigorously honest with myself and others? My intentions are in alignment with my understanding. And this brings us to the next card, which is the world. And it's the completion of the major arcana of the tarot journey. This is very significant, really affirming the potency of this eclipse portal and particularly the new foundations that are laid down with the total solar eclipse. The world is all about perspective and it's about a great experience after much dissolving, letting go, going through all of the layers of transformation to really be reborn anew. I'm being called to shift my perspective on my life now. When I remember I'm first and foremost an immortal soul, experience life as a human being, I have no fear. I can see clearly that I am a powerful co-creator in a divine partnership with spirit. Aligning myself with spirit, remaining unattached to outcomes, I'm a conduit for miracles. So may you journey through this eclipse portal really aligned with the truth that you are a conduit for miracles. And this brings us to the final card, another queen, queen of earth, really being stable, grounded, resourceful, someone who knows how to tend to their garden of life, who's trustworthy, who really understands prosperity and sensuality and how to be embodied on earth. I am committed down to earth and clear about my goals. I use all of my resources wisely whether they are finances, opportunities, or people willing to help me in my endeavors. And this is pretty phenomenal as we are preparing to have a great shift with the nodal axis. So even though with the lunar eclipse we've just experienced, the moon was in Taurus, the north node was still in Gemini, and the south node in Sagittarius through tropical astrology. And now, as we're shifting out of December, we will come in January, around January 18th, 19th, depending on where you live, the nodes of fate are going to switch the north node going into Taurus and the south node in Scorpio. And this access is all about embodiment and resources and how to be earthy and practical and grounded in the 3D world at the same time as being very much connected to the psychic, emotional, watery, intuitive realms of our spirituality, our transformation on the unseen planes of existence. And it's going to be an interesting 18 months because the North Node will be crossing Uranus and Taurus 
and that can create even more volatility than we've been experiencing around finances. And we know our money is drastically, radically changing before our very eyes. Our economies are shifting. So much is shifting in the mundane 3D world. And what's going to be important with the collective South Node in, in, Sad, in Scorpio is going to be how can we dissolve where we rely on other people's money and resources? How can we dissolve being overly secretive, suspicious of others, jealous? How can we dissolve being overly strategic or manipulative or seducing, using power over others in subtle ways? Whereas the North Node is going to be asking us to draw forth more sensuality, more pleasure and enjoyment again of the natural world, the seasonal shifts, watching the stars at night, feeling the dew of the grass in the morning, observing the nature that lives around you and how it does shift from season to season, being with your body taking care of yourself, really nurturing yourself, having daily habits and routines that help you thrive on earth in these times, being in your truth, living simply with the earth, being present in the moment, savoring human connection, savoring the delicious food and and drinks that you get to imbibe in your day-to-day rhythms and routines saying things as you see them, being very clear and being sovereign, being sovereign in your work and in your life. People often want to know how they can work with these eclipse portals and how we work with these eclipse portals, honestly, is is how we should be working through these times in general. The astrology is going to be immense for a few more years, at least. Some astrologers say until about 2026. And we'll be exploring the astrology of the future in some episodes to come. However, one of the most proactive, resilient things you can do in these times is really take care of yourself and build up your nervous system strength. So self-care needs to be a daily routine. And self-care is is not just taking some baths or supplements. It's all about getting proper rest and nourishment, having work-life balance as much as you're able to, uh, loving your body. And I really want to recommend one of my mentors, Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes. She's an incredible medicine woman, a Corandera and a Jungian psychoanalyst. And I love her audio book, The Joyous Body. Anything of hers is just pure medicine. However, I think the joyous body is really good for these times to be grounded in your body and to 
examine how you can honor your body as your supreme consort in life, as the most holiest thing you have in this world, because it is. It is a temple. It is our body that allows us to experience this incarnation, and that is very, very holy. And learning how to live with the body, all of us are figuring this life out together. And as we become more present in our bodies, we're becoming more present with source. When we get swirled up into our mental sphere or our emotional sphere and we're not with our body, we are detaching from source and from the present moment. And that's a philosophy that really goes hand in hand with this concept of time bending. Because as we know time to be circular and spiral oriented, and we know that there's a myriad of possibilities that could be happening in any moment, the way to really harness that is through presence within the body. And this is why we have yogic technology and so many other spiritual traditions that bring us deep, deep into the body. It's also important that we create healthy boundaries with others. This is a sign of our love for ourselves and showing others how they can love us in turn. And I love cold showers. I know for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, it's it's becoming winter, and so the cold showers can be harder. However, you can have a space heater in your bathroom and have some oil and warm it up in your hands and massage your whole body first before the cold shower, and that can be very invigorating. Drinking lots of water is always important, and I've found during eclipses, we need more water. I've been drinking way more water the last few days as we've gone through this Taurus lunar eclipse. Also, adaptogens and nourishing herbal infusions are really great. Tulsi, basil, holy basil, reishi, oat straw, using the medicine of the rose, nettle, There's so many amazing herbs out there. Standing barefoot on Mother Earth, placing your hands, your bare hands into the earth and breathing long, deep breaths or considering hiking barefoot as well can be great ways to ground and center. And working with your stone allies, very important if that's a relationship you've built. And in Earthseed, I'm always reminding people that it can be very simple. It doesn't have to be complex in the way we connect to our stones and that they are they are like creatures and they have spirits and we can bond with them like we can other creatures. Carving out time Each day to be electronically free is very important for our nervous systems, especially as the technology is increasing more and more. And you might want to look into 
researching really healthy grounding ways to protect the EMFs in your home and on your body. And also enjoying crafting, whatever that looks like for you, crafting, making art, really taking up something that is simple, but you go through a process of creation and it's not about the finished product. It's about the process, the experience of being in the moment with the making. And that is like a living, breathing meditation. And for those moments where you feel like you're just totally losing it, you can pause for a moment, take three long, deep breaths, and give gratitude in that moment for what is working. As we can give gratitude, we start to have a perspective shift. And there's always something that is working, even when it feels like we're being collapsed into. If you're feeling extremely emotional, you can drink a large glass of water, the entire glass, like at least 16 ounces in one or two or three large sips. And it will immediately restructure your emotions because we are primarily water. And that's also why music or chanting or singing can be very helpful. And so you can mentally chant the word victory and place the tip of the tongue up to the roof of the mouth and project, beam the victory out through the third eye and see yourself not where you are in that exact moment, but where you're going, where you want to be. And this is another important way when we're working with time bending to keep the frequency high, to keep the frequency one pointed, zero pointed. So I want to just take a moment to thank all of you amazing listeners for tuning in to Star Stones and Stories. There has been such an explosion of new listeners since episode 40, and I'm so grateful for you all. And I really apologize about the delay for the delivery of episode 41. Thank you for your patience. <laughs> this eclipse really required more rest on my part, and it's important we honor those requests of our body. And if you're enjoying this podcast, just take a moment, if you could, leave a review on iTunes. If you're an Apple listener, uh, send the podcast to a few of your beloveds who you think will benefit from these transmissions. And if you wish to support the ongoing research of these podcasts and this work in general, you may book a reading directly with me and you can find a way to do that in the show notes or you can go to my website, Earthseed Temple Arts. And please make sure you're signed up for receiving my weekly Venetian love notes. 
that means so much to me. And as I said earlier in this episode, it is the gold standard of communication in these times. So let's stay connected and be well, take amazing care of yourselves. We're going to transition now into a soul retrieval meditation that really wanted to come through for you all. So go ahead and take some time to get ready for that and you can pause this and we'll circle back around. Welcome to this meditation, which is an opportunity to retrieve parts of your soul. Soul retrieval is very powerful, and I believe as we move through the Aquarian Age, it is important for each one of us to do this work for ourselves. In the Piscean Age, many people have believed they need to go to another for soul retrieval, and at times we do absolutely need that support. However, as we're stepping into our sovereignty, there is something so sacred about you doing this deep healing work on behalf of yourself. When we go through immense trauma or shattering experiences or relationships that are abusive or dominated through power and control, we can have a soul split. So it's like a piece of your soul, a part of your power remains locked into that moment through time and space. And then this creates distortions in your field and it creates confusion in the emotional and the mental bodies. However, what's important to understand is that this only happens when part of your subconscious has offered permission for that person, that experience, that place, whatever the circumstance is to hold a piece of your soul. So a part of your consciousness gave permission. And if a part of your consciousness gave permission, you also have the right to forgive that moment and time to bless it for how it has taught you and to reclaim that part, that soul piece of yourself. And this is in honor of your own personal empowerment. So I invite you to make sure you've taken care of your biological needs the room is warm enough devices are turned off any distractions have been strategized so that you can really be present with this and i would also encourage you to have a journal on hand and maybe even a glass of water so that after the journey you can take some time to reflect and i invite you to begin to relax your body and become really present in this now moment 
So either be seated or come lying down, whichever you prefer. And if you are lying down, I do recommend covering your body with at least a lightweight blanket and doing the same even seated because your body temperature will go down as you go deeper into this journey. And as always, I invite you to just breathe deeply, become present with your body and your breath right now in this moment. And as you're breathing, begin to soften through the joints. So imagine through the ankles and the knees and the hips, the elbows and the shoulders, the jaw, the neck. Imagine these spaces just like there's a spiral of light in each of those joints that opens the space that feels really important to begin with and those spirals of light they're like these golden spirals of light and they begin to swirl throughout your body and you feel this warm radiant liquid light flow through your entire body from head to toe And as you're breathing, you just stay present with the breath, stay present with the sound current to keep you here in this now moment. Anytime the mind wanders into a care or concern, know that you will have plenty of time to circle back to that care and concern and that this is such a beautiful luxury to be here now and enjoy this enjoy this this is part of the sanctity of being in body so you're going to continue to breathe in and out through the nose and you're going to imagine waves of relaxation coming up through the soles of the feet these beautiful waves of relaxation and any other sounds besides my sound current just bring you deeper into the relaxation so just allow any other external sounds to drop you deeper into your body into your breath And as you're continuing to breathe, I'm going to ask you to bring your awareness to the base of the spine where the root chakra sits. And you're going to see that beautiful red wheel of light spinning. And you're going to bring your presence there as well as into your two sits bones. And you're going to invite your higher self to be fully present here. As you take your next in-breath, you're going to feel your higher self fill your entire spinal column and extend through your entire nervous system. 
And as you're continuing to breathe, you're going to imagine this golden red silver cord of light dropping down from the base of the spine the palms of the hands the soles of the feet and if you want to add to that you can even imagine from the knees and the elbows and the shoulders and these cords these spiral cords of light begin to travel down through the layers of the building that you're in and travel down through the earth the sediment and the soil of where you are on the land at this now moment and travel all the way deep down into the heart of the mother to this crystalline core of great-grandmother hematite where you're going to anchor into this space with her and as you anchor into her she helps you become even more present to this now moment and she also helps to tend and nourish your soul bringing in that loving grandmotherly energy of pure acceptance and letting you feel that you in this moment are enough all of you all of you is welcomed here all of the light and the shadowy parts are all welcomed and they're all necessary for this cosmology of who you are and so you breathe into this, you breathe into this acceptance. And with the next inhale, you begin to bring the breath up through the layers of earth, up through your body, and you just feel that complete grounding energy. And then from here, you're going to imagine from above, there's this beautiful sun and it is the sun of all suns. This is the great cosmic sun of all suns, and it is drawing down this nectar of golden white light that creates a pyramid of light around your physical vessel. And this pyramid of light fully extends around your entire body and anchors you into the earth and also fills the space so that your physical, emotional, energetic bodies, mental body are all consumed, protected by this golden pyramid of light that comes from pure source consciousness, the highest vibration of all that is. And so as you're here in this moment, you're completely contained, grounded, and protected and now I invite you as you're breathing to begin to go deep within your heart. And we know that the heart is our true time travel device. The heart is our chamber of great awakening. And I invite you to travel deep within your heart, so deep that your heart becomes a vast space of cosmos and you travel within this vast space of cosmos through time and space. You travel through complete darkness and you feel this warm, loving void of all of creation. And I'm going to invite you as you're traveling to find the timeline that you know that you are ready to heal this part of your soul that got split into another space 
And so you're going to travel through time and space and locate yourself in that moment and allow the unlocking to begin to occur. And you're going to witness yourself witnessing the emotions, the mind, the physical body, how you are, and you're going to witness yourself with whomever may be in that circumstance as the perpetrator, the abuser, however you have interpreted it. And I'm going to invite you to, as you continue to breathe, to extend this warm golden light, extend it as a beautiful bubble around the situation. And I'm going to invite you to breathe love into this situation, knowing how grounded and protected you are and how supported you are by your guides, your guardians, your ancestors, by source consciousness itself. And so I invite you to As you see yourself in this moment, in this soul split, I invite that part of you to look into the eyes of the other, whatever the other is, and to say, as you gaze into the eyes of this other or circumstance, I freely forgive you and I ask you to freely forgive me I freely love you and I ask you to freely love me and as that is complete you see If there are any cords of attachment between you and the other, you see those cords fall away and you see the other vanish so that it is only you within this golden bubble of light. And now, as it is you in that moment where the soul split occurred, yourself as the observer is going to come into the moment and gaze into your own eyes and you say I freely forgive you and I ask you to freely forgive me I freely love you and I ask you to freely love me and as this occurs there's a merging And this part of yourself comes into your heart. And as it emerges into your heart, you begin to see this golden grid of light appear all around you. It's like a beautiful golden net of light. And you begin to see anywhere in your physical body 
where there was like a tear or a, a rip of some kind in the energetic field or energy that was trapped and now there's a gaping hole, you're going to begin to pack that area with golden light and you find yourself being given from this golden source consciousness, this chalice. And as you scoop into it, it's like this nectar of honey and you begin to pack it anywhere in your physical body that needs that. And so you're scooping this golden nectar and it begins to just fill your entire physical body and you again notice the golden grid of light and you're going to continue to breathe and feel that golden grid of light extend and expand through all time and space and you say if this feels aligned for you you say Master healer of all source consciousness, restore my soul to its original divine blueprint of power and sovereign truth. And feel the vibrancy of this grid pulsating. Feel the love radiating. sound and light codes restoring this grid allow any tears that may linger any distortions in the grid that may linger to heal knowing that in all of creation that which is pure and true is sound and light everything comes from sound and light the stars you gaze upon are the stars that live within you the planetary archetypes connect to the organs that live within you. You are mighty, you are holy, you are galactic and multidimensional, and it is your sovereign birthright to understand your limitless potential and power with every breath you take on Mother Earth, every step you walk on Mother Earth, this is your sovereign divine right that exists within your blueprint of your DNA. And may the codes of your DNA be restored to their highest frequency. Understanding that the journey is part of the sacred dance and we bless we bless the times of distortion for they have been great teachers. We bless the medicine of the teachings, knowing that we are so much more than our pain and suffering and we're meant to rise above. And stay present in your heart. Continue to breathe long, deep breaths. Allow yourself to forgive any and all unfinished business that's arising for you now that would desire to take you backwards 
allow any resistance to drop away from knowing your truth. Know that as you do this deep work within, it benefits all. And as you continue to breathe, you're going to bring your awareness back to your physical body encased within this golden pyramid of light and you're going to give gratitude for the technology of light and sound and truth knowing that you came to earth in these times for a very specific purpose and that as you breathe and take care of yourself and nourish yourself, that purpose unveils with each breath, with each presence in the now moment. And so as you continue to take some nice long deep breaths, Feel that golden mana fill every cell of your being. Feel your chakras all spinning healthfully in alignment in this moment. And begin to take deep, deep, long breaths. You can begin to wiggle through the fingers and the toes and circle through the wrist and the ankles. And then when you're ready, you can rub the palms of the hands and the soles of the feet vigorously together. Perhaps hug the knees into the chest and rock a little bit from side to side along the back. And then maybe take a moment to roll to your right side and Just take some deep breaths here. Be with yourself. Process. And when you're ready, you're going to begin to push back up to sit. And I highly encourage you to take some time to reflect, to write. Perhaps do a little bit of stretching. Maybe a little bit of meditation. Some of your own divination. Whatever you're called to, just... Allow yourself to ease back into the mundane world. And if you can, take at least another 30 minutes before you look at a device and begin scrolling. Stay in your own field. It's sacred, it's holy, and it's radical. It's radical to do that these days. Your medicine is always with you. And you are so potent and you are so powerful and I truly, truly believe in you. We need you on earth in these times. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Blessed be. 
I wish to close with Mary's Codex. I entreat you today who exists forever. I praise you today, Yao, who is coming upon the clouds of heaven, Sabaoth, who is stronger than them all, who exists before all the eons, before heaven and earth appeared. Heaven became for you a throne and the earth a footstool at your feet. Listen to me today. Through your great blessed name, let all things submit to me, for I am Mary Marham. I am the mother of the life of the whole world. I am myself. Let the rocks split before me today. Let the iron dissolve before me today. Let the demons withdraw before me today. Let the powers of the light appear to me. Let the angels and the archangels appear to me today. Let the doors that are bolted and closed for me at once and quickly, so that your name may become my helper and life, whether in all the day or in all the night.
May Isis heal me as she healed her son Horus of all the pains which were brought on him. Thou, great enchantress, heal me. Save me from all evil, things of darkness, from the epidemic and deadly diseases and infections of all sorts that spring upon me, as thou hast saved and freed Horus. Free me from all possible evil, hurtful things of darkness, from epidemic and deadly fevers of all kinds. And so it is. For sharing sacred space. My prayer is that we awaken to the reality that we are a hologram for the collective. By being fierce in our authentic truth, we have the opportunity to elevate life on this exquisite planet Earth. Crystallize your medicine. <laughs> <laughs>